Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Tonight I'll be reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day when the, e- when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm wind arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But when he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still have still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You may be seated. Next song will be an empty mansion. One day it'll be full. Here I labor and toil as I look for a home. Just a humble abode among men. While in heaven a mansion is waiting for me. And a I'll stand one more time for Tyler's lesson. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus I am
song will be almost persuaded. Good evening. It's good to be together tonight. Appreciate this time that we've been able to spend and worship together. Appreciate those who have been leading us in our worship so far for Seth, leading us in song today and JT leading us in a beautiful prayer. We're thankful for the visitors who we have here with us tonight. We have one special visitor with us tonight. If you haven't the cha- had the chance to get to meet him, then you might want to take that opportunity tonight. We have Elliot Ham with us. He's the new preacher, even newer than I am, but a little bit older than, than Jacob. Jacob's been here a little less time than he's been here, but he's the new preacher at Lebanon Church of Christ. So if you haven't had the chance to get to meet him, I know that you'll find a pleasure doing that tonight. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark chapter 4, and together we're going to be studying in what was just read for us in verses 35 through 41. So if you'll turn there with me in your copy of God's Word, Mark chapter 4, and we're going to begin there in just a few minutes with verse number 35. One of the sad realities of this life that I know you're very well familiar with is that we all go through storms. In life, we all go through things that are difficult. We all go through things that are hard. In life, each and every one of us go through trials. In fact, I heard a preacher put it this way one time, and I think that it's so true. As we go throughout life, we find ourselves in one of three areas. Area number one, you're going into a storm, and you don't know it yet. That might be the case for some of us in here tonight. Perhaps it's the case that you're about to go into a storm. I hope it's not the case, but it very well could be the case that you're about to go through something difficult. You're about to go through something really challenging and hard in life, and you have no idea that it's coming. And there are, go- there are going to be no warning signs. There are going to be no times to prepare for it. The storm is going to hit, and you're going to find yourself in the midst of it. Which leads us into area number two. You're in the midst of a storm, and you're having to deal with it. Maybe that's where you are tonight. It might be the case that tonight you're going through something really difficult, something that's challenging your faith in God, some kind of trial that's causing pain and hardship in your life every single day that you live. Then the third area is that you're coming out of a storm and you're doing all that you can to recover from it. You went through the trial and the trial is finally over. The storm was raging, but the storm has finally come to a close and it's left you absolutely worn out. It's left you absolutely exhausted. Now you're doing all that you can to recover from that storm as you come out of it. In life, we find ourselves continually in this cycle. 
It's a way that we can relate to one another. It's a way that we can understand one another. You're either going into a storm and you don't know it. You're in the midst of a storm and you're having to deal with it. Or you're coming out of a storm and you're trying to recover from it. As we see ourselves in that cycle, tonight I want us to think about two topics that oftentimes stand in opposition to one another. The storm versus the Savior. In other words, when I compare the storms in my life with my Savior, what do they look like? Storms in our lives can sometimes seem really big. They can seem really powerful and they can seem really scary. You know that just as well as I do. But how scary, how powerful, how big are our storms when we actually take the time and we put in the effort to compare them to our Savior? When the storm and the Savior stands face to face against one another, when they square off against one another, when they go to war against one another, who's going to win? Who's going to be more powerful? Who is going to walk out of that battle and walk out of that war victorious? Let's consider those questions tonight as we walk through this text and mark the fourth chapter. Before we get into the heart of the story, we need to take some time to notice the setting in verses 35 and 36. Mark tells us, beginning there in 35, that on that day, the same day that we've been reading about throughout the entire chapter, when evening had come. Remember what we've talked about over the last few Sunday nights as we've been looking at Mark chapter 4. Jesus has been teaching a large crowd. He's been teaching a large multitude on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's been speaking to them in parables. He's been teaching them about the kingdom of God in parabolic form. In fact, Mark chapter 4 and verse 34, if you back up just one verse, says that Jesus didn't speak to this crowd without a parable. Jesus is on a boat According to Mark chapter 4 and verse 1, he's pushed just a little bit from the shore. Standing on the shore is this crowd listening to his teaching hour after hour. Well, eventually evening came. It started to get dark outside in verse number 35. And so Jesus looks to his disciples and tells them, let's go across to the other side. Let's sail across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let's leave this location and let's cross the lake. And so in verse number 36, the Bible says that Jesus and His disciples left the crowd in a boat. That's probably the same boat that Jesus has been teaching and preaching from all the way back in Mark chapter 4 and verse 1. They get in this boat together. Other boats were with them. And they begin to cross the Sea of Galilee. If you skip down to verse number 38, what does Jesus do as they begin to sail? across the lake the Bible says in verse this is verse number 38 that Jesus was in the stern asleep on a cushion oftentimes in the first century the fishermen would leave a cushion or a pillow in the back of the boat in the stern of the boat so that if you weren't working if you weren't fishing you could take a little bit of time to relax you could take a power nap and it seems that's what Jesus is doing Jesus has been teaching. Jesus has been preaching. He's been speaking in parables and ministering for hours and hours. For the entire day in Mark chapter 4, He needs a little bit of time to rest. Do you think that Jesus would be tired after teaching and preaching to this crowd all day? And so He lays down in the back of the boat, His head on a cushion, and goes fast to sleep. You know, in order to go to sleep, you have to be calm. In order to go to sleep, you have to be at peace. 
Jesus' calmness, Jesus' peaceful state in this chapter stands in direct contrast with what we see as we continue in verses 37-38 through 38, as Mark tells us that a great windstorm arose. More than likely, this would have came on them very quickly. This would have came on them without them having time to prepare for it. There, were, there would have been no warning signs. They would have not been able to anticipate it. But all of a sudden, this great windstorm comes upon them. I like the way that Daryl Bach describes this in his commentary. He says, given the Sea of Galilee's topography, such a storm like this one could descend onto the sea quickly without notice and at night could hardly be anticipated. The Sea of Galilee is some 700 feet below sea level and is depressed with hills surrounding it. The hills on the east side are particularly steep. Cool air rushing down the ravines and hills around the lake can collide with the warm air above the lake and create an instant storm in the confined quarters. It seems like that's what's taking place in Mark chapter 4. With no warning signs, with no way for them to anticipate it, as they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee in the darkness, the wind gets really strong. A great windstorm comes upon them. Well, when you're on the water and the wind gets really strong, what happens? The waves get really big. Can you see Jesus and His disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee? It's dark. And all of a sudden, the wind gets really strong, the waves get really big, and their boat is being tossed back and forth. Their boat is being tossed to and fro. Remember, they're not crossing the Sea of Galilee on a cruise liner. They're not in a pontoon boat. They're not even in a paddle boat. They're in this small wooden boat. All of a sudden, the wind gets strong. The waves get really big. Mark actually tells us a little bit about what that looked like in 37. The Bible says that the waves were breaking into the boat and the boat was filling up with water. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? You're crossing the Sea of Galilee and all of a sudden the wind gets really strong. The waves get so big that they're cresting over the heads of the disciples and filling up the boat with water with every passing moment. When you go to Luke's account of this in Luke the 8th chapter, Luke tells us that the disciples felt like they were in danger. Which is remarkable to point out because as we've seen in our study of the Gospel of Mark, some of Jesus' disciples were professional fishermen. They basically lived on the Sea of Galilee. That's what they did for a living. Do you think they had experienced a storm on the water before? Of course they had. There's no doubt about it. But this storm in Mark chapter 4 is one that makes even professional fishermen feel like they're in danger. So how did they respond to it? Well, the Bible says in verse number 38, and you can picture this, as they're being tossed by the wind and the waves, and the waves are cresting into the boat, and the boat is filling up with water, the Bible says that the disciples went to where Jesus was asleep on the, the cushion. And you can imagine them surrounding Jesus. They were yelling at Jesus. Perhaps they even leaned down and grabbed Him and started shaking Him. Teacher, do you not care that we're about to perish? How can you sleep in a time like this? Do you not care that this boat is about to fill up with water and we're all about to drown? Do you not care that we're about to die? As this storm starts to rage around them, the disciples set their eyes on what's going on outside of the boat instead of who they have with them inside of the boat. They're focused on the storm and its power to destroy them. 
the storm and its power to harm them instead of focusing on their Savior and His power to save them as they find themselves in a panic, as they find themselves fearful. Perhaps when we read about this storm in Mark the fourth chapter, it makes us think about our own lives. What is it for you? What's the storm in your life right now? It might be the case that you find yourself in a situation right now that is comparable and is paralleled by the situation that the disciples are in in Mark chapter 4. There wasn't any warning. There was no way you could have anticipated it. There were no signs. But all of a sudden, this great storm came into your life and you're having to deal with it. The wind is blowing really strong. The waves are really big and you feel like you're being tossed back and forth constantly on a daily basis. Maybe you feel like the waves are cresting over your head. Maybe you feel like your boat is filling up with water. Maybe you feel like you're in danger in the midst of the situation that you're facing, in the storm that you find yourselves in. And you look over at Jesus, what's He doing about it? Oh, He's asleep in the back of the boat. I'm going through this storm. I'm feeling all this pain. I'm going through this hardship in life. And I'm crying out to Jesus, Jesus, do you not care that I'm about to perish and I haven't heard anything from Him? I haven't seen Him do anything. Maybe that's where you find yourself tonight. Don't we oftentimes respond to storms in the same way that Jesus' disciples do? So often... Instead of focusing on the one who we have with us inside of the boat, we focus on the storm that's raging outside of the boat. We think only about the storm and its power to save us, and sometimes we don't take the time to think about the Savior and His power to deliver us. The Savior and His power to save us. We see the setting of this story. We see the storm that rages. But what does this text teach us about the Savior? That's the important question. What does this text teach us about Jesus? What does this text teach us about how Jesus interacts with the storms in our lives? I want to suggest three ideas to you. Number one, whenever we back up just a little bit to Mark chapter 4 and verse 38, we find that Jesus is not phased by the storms that we face in life. Remind me one more time, where is Jesus whenever the waves get really big and the wind is really strong, when the boat is filling up with water and the disciples feel like they're in danger? Where is Jesus? What is He doing? He's in the back of the boat, asleep on a cushion. How did the disciples interpret that? The disciples interpreted that to say, well, He must not care about us. He must not care that we're about to perish. He must not care that we're all about to drown and we're all about to die right here. How could you sleep through something like this? Well, it was true that Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat on a cushion. But it wasn't because He didn't care. Jesus is asleep, but it wasn't because He didn't care about His disciples. It wasn't because He didn't care about His disciples being afraid or His disciples feeling like they're in danger. Jesus is able to sleep in the back of the boat as the storm is raging around them because He is not phased by the storm. This storm causes His disciples to panic. It doesn't cause Him to panic. 
This storm causes the disciples to feel like they're in danger. It doesn't cause Jesus to feel like He's in danger. The disciples are greatly afraid as they see their boat filling up with water. As the boat fills up with water, Jesus is able to sleep because He is not fazed by this storm. He's not fazed by this storm because He knows that He's more powerful than it. Jesus knows that His power is greater than the storm's power. That's pretty amazing to know, isn't it? Jesus isn't phased by the storms in your life. He's not phased by the storms in my life. You've never been through a trial, and you're never going to go through a trial that's going to cause Jesus to be afraid. You're never going to go through something that's going to cause Jesus to run away. You're never going to go through something that's going to cause Jesus to throw up His hands and say, I don't know what we're going to do about this. Your storms are never going to put Jesus into a panic. Why? Because He's not phased by your storms. Why? Because He is greater than them. Jesus' power is greater than the storm's power. It's like what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 18 and verse 2. The Lord is my rock. My fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. Jesus is able to be all of those things for us because He is not phased by the storms that we go through. Number two, when we look at verse 39, we learn that Jesus has the power to calm the storm. The disciples come to Him and they're waking Him up in verse 38. They're in a great panic. They feel like they're in danger. They're shaking. Teacher, do you not care that we're about to perish? How did Jesus respond to that? Well, verse 39 says that He awoke and He rebuked. I like that word rebuke. It's like the storm and Jesus are in conflict with one another. They're going to war against one another. They're fighting against one another. The storm is winning in the mind of the disciples. But when Jesus wakes up, He rebukes the wind. He rebukes the waves with the words, Peace, be still. And what happened? Verse number 39, The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. It's reminiscent of what the psalmist says in Psalms 89 and verse number 9, You rule the raging of the sea, and when its waves rise, you still them. That's what Jesus has the power to do. Jesus has power over the storm. Jesus has power over nature. And as we continue reading in Mark chapter 5 next week and throughout the next few weeks, we're going to find that there are some other things that Jesus has power over. For instance, in the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 5, we find that Jesus has power over the demonic realm. When we keep reading in verses 21 through 24 and 35 through 43, we find that Jesus has power over death as he raises a 12 year old girl from the dead. We find that Jesus has power over disease in verses 25 through 34, even a disease that persisted and continued for 12 years, a disease that no other physician or doctor could heal. Jesus has power over nature. He has power over the demonic realm. He has power over death. Power over disease. Do you know what that tells us? That tells us that Jesus has the power to calm the storm in our lives. If one of the disciples would have stood up in the boat and said the words, peace be still, 
If Peter, Andrew, James, or John would have stood up in the boat and rebuked the wind and the waves, what would have happened? Oh, it would have kept raging. The storm would have continued to go. The waves would have continued to be big. The winds would have continued to be strong. But when Jesus stands up and rebukes the wind and the waves, when Jesus stands up and says, peace be still, different things happen. So often we try to take on our trials by ourselves, don't we? We find ourselves in the midst of a storm. We lower our shoulders and we push as hard as we can. We're strong. We're powerful. Let's use that strength. Let's use that power to get through these storms that we're fighting. If you stand up and you rebuke the storm in your life, it's going to keep going. If I look at the trial in my life and I say the words, peace be still, it's going to continue to rage. But when Jesus does it, it's a different story. Jesus has the power to calm the storm with just the words of His voice. And then hand in hand with that, in verses 40-41, through number 3, Jesus expects us to trust that He has the power to calm the storm. So we're not saying that, okay, here's a fact that's out there. Jesus has the power to calm the storm in your life. We're not just saying that He can do it. We're saying that Jesus expects us, He expects you and me to trust Him. He expects us to place our faith in Him. To believe that He has the power to calm the storms in our lives. When you keep reading... This is verse number 40. Jesus stands up, says the words, peace be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. Jesus turns to His disciples in verse 40 and says, why are you so afraid? To me, when I look at that question, that's like, duh, why, why do you think we're afraid? There's a storm raging. Didn't you see how strong the wind was? Didn't you feel the waves as they crested? Didn't you feel it while you were asleep as it continued to rise and rise? Didn't you see the storm raging around us, Jesus? That's why we were afraid. He says, no, I want to know why you were so afraid. He follows it up with a second question. Have you still no faith? Where's your faith? Where's your trust? Jesus is telling His disciples, you should have trusted in Me. Instead of looking at the storm, you should have looked at me. Instead of focusing on the storm and its power to harm and its power to destroy, you should have focused on me as your Savior, my power to save, my power to deliver. Why are you so afraid in the midst of the storm? Do you not trust me? Have you not placed your faith in me? Well, that question comes to us, doesn't it? We find ourselves in the midst of a storm and the storm caused us to panic. It caused us to feel afraid. And we have all these different questions. We have all these different doubts. Jesus asked, why are you so afraid? He's not minimizing the storms we're going through. He's not saying it shouldn't hurt. He's saying you should be looking at me. Why are you so afraid? Don't you trust me? Don't you trust in my power? To calm this storm in your life? Don't we know what Paul says in the 8th chapter of Romans, verse number 31? What then shall we say to these things? What do we say? If God is for us, if Jesus is in your boat, then who can be against us? 
It's the storm versus the Savior. We all go through storms. You're either going into it, you're in the midst of it, or you're coming out of it. We all go through difficulties in life that cause us to feel pain on the inside, cause us to feel pain on the outside. Maybe it's even both. What this text teaches us about our Savior is that He is greater. What this text teaches us about our Savior is that He is more powerful. He's not phased by the storms that we go through. He has the power to calm the storms that we go through. And He expects us to trust that. He expects us to place our faith in Him. Answer it honestly. Do you really trust Jesus? In the midst of the difficulty and the trial and the hardship that you go through, do you trust in Jesus' power to calm the storm? If you're not answering that question very quickly by saying yes, let us help you. Let us support you as your brothers and sisters in Christ as together we stand and sing Seth leads us in our invitation song.